Welcome to This Little Life, an impromptu and lively podcast diving into the big and little issues of parenting. The role of a father has shifted considerably over the years. For many dads, raising kids looks very different to how their fathers did when they were growing up. Times are changing and so is fatherhood. But what has changed over the years? I'm sure many listening can remember their father going off to work and coming home late. It was a given. There was limited interaction, except for perhaps at dinner time or the occasional attendance at Saturday sports. But that traditional approach has changed considerably in the last decade, with many dads playing a much more involved role in the day-to-day responsibility of parenting. Hello, I'm Elkie Pascoe, CEO and founder of Little Oak, and welcome to the latest episode of This Little Life, where today we are exploring the beautiful phenomenon that is fatherhood. Much like a mother, the experience of fatherhood isn't something that can be easily put into words. It's wonderful, it's terrifying, and it's a job that begins at conception and well goes right up until the day we die. And all of this at once can feel difficult to navigate, especially if you're a first-time dad. But to help with this today, we asked a delightful and diverse list of fathers what fatherhood means to them and what that word means to anyone who wants what's best for their kids. Today, we're going to share their hard-won wisdom and the practical guide, if you will, to modern fathering. So kicking off, and uh, pardon the pun, Aaron Cornelius, father of two beautiful girls, Winnie and Pippa, who's here today, and married to the beautiful Katie, who is one of our most favorite humans in the world. Many might know Aaron from his stellar performances on the AFL field, uh, playing with Brisbane and now coaching AFL and VFL here in Melbourne, although your wife did say don't talk you up too much. so Good point. Yeah, good point. Um, We have Mitch Pappas. We just met recently, actually, and he's the luckiest man alive, married to a beautiful wife, Georgie, and a proud father to 15-month-old Edie. Mitch is passionate about changing the way fathers parent and challenging the typical expectations that surround being a father. And our final guest is, in my opinion, one in a million. We've got Joel Saadi. Um, he joined the army about a decade ago and was deployed to Afghanistan in 2013. Um, after returning to Australia, he had an accident, unfortunately and sadly broke his neck and became a quadriplegic. Since then, Joel has been working steadfastly to assist ex-veterans find employment after their service. And more recently, he has taken on the biggest role of his career, becoming a dad to six-month-old Esme and husband to Alyssa. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you for coming on uh, on the podcast today. We're going to have a lively discussion, so we're all going to get involved. But I do want to kick off with you, Aaron, um, because I really want to kind of get into how our dads did it, because I'm sitting here actually thinking about my dad, who, bless his heart, actually rang me this morning. Um, but I met your dad a couple of weeks ago, an amazing guy. So I'm, I'm keen to understand what your experience was like with your father. Yeah, look, it's yeah, that is an amazing man. It's uh, and I think the intro that you put forth was um, yeah, it was a great part of it. You know, parenting's changed, fatherhood's changed. Um, but the best way to describe my relationship with my old man is we're best mates, mm-hmm. um, first and foremost, best mates. So that over the time has caused some issues. You know, he has tried to be an authority figure, um, and you know, mentioned the old. He he's probably one of his most famous sayings is, uh, "I would never do that to my old man, or never say that to my old man." <laughs> and my counter punch back to that is, you know, you, you guys didn't have that relationship. So as I say, you know, best mates, but um, yeah, I think our relationship was built on respect, and yeah, he's uh, you know he's been a massive part of my life and continues to be. And was your experience when you were a child that more traditional one where dad went off to work and mum stayed home and you may have seen dad, you know, at dinner time and, 
you when he took you to sports or training or what have you? Uh, I was I was a bit lucky in that way because my father was heavily involved in my football career and coming through. Um, you know, he was a junior coach of mine, and then would always take me to sport. And then once I started playing senior footy at an early age, dad was involved at a board level or, you know, match committee. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did see a lot of dad and I, sp- I spent a lot of time with dad in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, as, as I played basketball, which was more sort of mum's thing, but, you know, again, dad was supportive and, and involved. But now m- my parents both worked um, and I have a younger sister, Rhea. Um, and, yeah, no, obviously Rhea and I were very active and mum and dad gave us many opportunities to um, play sport. I think at one stage I was sailing, playing cricket, swimming, and uh, football and basketball as well. So your parents were basically the uh, sort of a modern-day Uber service? They were. I think they were. <laughs> they, they may have given the people the idea, but I'm sure there's a lot of parents <laughs> out there that are, are the same way. But, yeah, look, it, they did Uber, and um, as I say, I'm, I'm, there's many people that get into the position that I got to that, you know, wouldn't be in there without their folks. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think you've learned from your father that you've brought into your experience as a, as a dad? Look, this is a great question, and I know that you wanted to keep the answers short, but not necessarily. Um, you tell you just tell it as it is. Yeah, my my answer to this question is varied because of um, Katie's involvement. Mm-hmm. Um, Katie had a very different bringing up to me. Uh, you know, my father demanded respect, um, and that's the way we went about it. His relationship with me was built on that. And as I say, we we were best mates, and we've grown closer in that way as I've got older. Um, but we, you know, we're very much alike. We we do have the occasional dummy spit. Um, it was only two weeks ago that um, dad was over and we went across. I, I went across to the neighbours to help out a downpipe. I was just fixing a downpipe for him. Dad comes across, takes over um, and starts <laughs> directing me around. And then the guy goes, oh, geez, you two worked well, well together. And dad goes, if we worked together, mate, we'd probably kill each other. Um, well, I had the pleasure of spending, what, an hour with, your, with you and your dad and that was pretty <laughs> I was pretty heated at moments, but you yeah. could tell there was a lovely bond there. Yeah. No, it does. Look, it gets heated. We don't agree always, but that's, you know, that's every part of the relationship. But back to the, the question, I think because of Katie's big influence in the way that I parent um, is, is different to the way I was brought up. You know, I mean, if you did wrong, you were punished. Um, there was consequences for it. And then I think there's a lot of my life um, now that I look back and think, you know, mum and dad showed me the correct way and that's practically the way I live my life. You know, I don't, Katie thinks I'm a bit of a, bit of a sook, but I, I don't try not to speed. I don't, you know, I don't break the, I don't break rules. That's just the way I live my life. I like to, you know, I, I probably like to please people more than and do the wrong thing. And that was a lot about, you know, how mum and dad brought me up, especially dad, you know, you, you're respectful to people, you pick up after yourself. Um, we go out now and, and Winnie, our littlest one, she eats dinner and 90% of the dinner's on the floor at a restaurant. And, you know, previously Katie and I would probably just get up and let the wait staff, but we had dad with us once and he wanted me to clean it up. So now every time we go to the restaurant, Winnie makes a mess underneath, I clean it up. Um, so little things like that, I think. But as I say, yeah, Katie's definitely influenced me more now in the way that I parent. Okay. So now that you are a dad, um, how would you say your relationship with your with your dad has changed? Uh, dad is an exceptional grandfather, um, and doesn't hold the same standards slash the way he parented to, to my girls. Um, you know, like if I get flustered or frustrated with Pippa, then dad just, dad's in the background says, just calm down, mate. It's okay. And I'll be thinking <laughs> to myself, mate, if I had done that, you'd have kicked my backside. Um, so yeah, I think. Now, now I understand what they were going through. I understand, um, you know, what mum, mum did for us. I understand what dad sacrificed for us. 
obviously my appreciation for that grows. And when you're young, you're a bit naive. Um, but yeah, I think I'm, I'm really thankful for what they've done and provided for me. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that, yeah, I mean, I don't know about everyone else, but, you know, when I became a mum, there's sort of this, um, you know, this empathy for our, I mean, like my parents, because I, you know, typical teenager then into an adulthood, you either thought you knew everything or, you know, believe you did. Um, but once I had children, you could reflect back on those times where they were losing their mind at you or something. And you're like, ah, oh, now I get what's happening there. Like, I actually, I actually, for my dad now, I feel, <laughs> I feel like I want to just go and apologize, <laughs> give him a big hug, say sorry for being such a shit. But, um, I suppose the, the that whole relationship piece is quite interesting because um, how did you, in terms of other relationships in your life, you talk about Katie quite a bit there. I mean, how did you know becoming a father change your relationship with her? Um, it's it's probably pinpointed our differences a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, previously to that, you know, you you you're dating and you don't you go off and get your own time. Um, it's a little bit different for us now. We've moved away from our support base. Obviously, Katie's in the States and, and my support base is in Tasmania and we're living in Victoria. So, you know, the last 12 months has been very hard and, and Katie did an, an exceptional job. You know, I got to go to work and she was at home with the girls. So, um, yeah, I think mainly uh, Katie's upbringing with two mums was a little bit more you go and do what you want. You know, we're here for support. Where I was trying to be a professional athlete and my parents knew that. So, you know, I didn't. I was at home on time. I did my chores. Um, I cleaned up after myself. I, I used to, funnily enough, I used to clean my footy boots. I used to be thinking at the time, why am I doing this? Why am I cleaning my footy boots? But, you know, that was a little thing. That, and, you know, now I'm a carpenter. My tools are all in order. I'm not the bloke that I work with jokes all the time, but everything has its place. Um, and I just, that, I think that, you know, even from cleaning, cleaning your footy boots just made me more prepared. And I knew that I was always packing them. Um, and yeah, I think just with Katie, it's just, yeah, she wanted to parent in the way that she did. I'm not saying that I want to smack kids or, um, discipline them in that way, but I felt like my life was a lot more regimented in the way that I approach things. A little more structure and discipline. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that. Consequences for your actions, basically. I think, you know, for every action, there's a reaction or or a consequence. And in life, it's, you know, I think me personally, that's a big part of it. If you do the wrong thing, there's consequences for your actions and you can build that into a child or or a person of a young age. And I think coaching as well, a little bit of that comes out in me. So it's an interesting one because um, what's better, that more structured, disciplined approach to parenting or the sort of more free range, you know, let the child go and do and explore and be curious and kind of shape their own way in the world. What's your opinion? I think there's a combination of both. You definitely have to let people grow. Um, that's, you know, that's very, very true. But I think also too, you know, why do we have rules in life? Why is there, you know, why do people get policed and why is there laws and stuff like that? Because everyone can't just go off and go free free willy um so <laughs> or, or free balling, or as, we free balling <laughs> as you said a bit earlier exactly right no, not everyone can free ball um unless no, you're at a nudist yeah, beach yeah. but um <laughs> and biologically yeah, I, not possible either i think football is a little bit i know, I know we talk about i'll probably talk about free because it's a massive part of my life but it's the same with coaching in football you can the modern game is very structured very you stand here you stand there but at the end of the day, people get to the AFL level because they've got talent and they've done it on themselves. And it's a bit the same in life. Like people have got their own personalities, they've done it their own way. But when you come into, you know, structured things like work or school or you know, there's there are rules and regulations that you have to abide by. With football, you know, you show your natural flair, but you do it within the team structure. Mm-hmm. 
in many ways, I suppose if it's the different types of discipline, the important thing really is around the bond and the attachment um, that you create with your child. I'm really interested to actually throw this one to Mitch in and around that critical, those critical elements of bonding with a child. How do you go about it, Mitch? Do you, do you is your relationship with your partner, so you guys stern or? In terms of discipline? Yeah. Um, she, She's only fifteen months, so she's so kind of she's at, she's not at that age yet. Where okay. we're kind of yeah. yeah. My advice to you is get it get it sorted before it yeah get it sorted before you get to it because yeah. that's probably what Katie and I didn't do. We didn't. She kind of that. laughs when we say no. When, whenever we say the word no, she thinks it's yeah. funny. So de- we're kind of going through that. Yeah, she doesn't understand 100%. what yes and no is just yet. Get on the same page though is my advice to you because Katie and I wasn't at the start. How so? Um. So for me, like if old ferret over the back here does something incorrect, then if if Pippa does something incorrect for me, it was like, well, you know, you've done that incorrectly. Let's let's show her the right way. Where yeah. Katie's like, nah, she, she'll be fine. You know, just let it go. She's a little girl. What do you mean incorrect? Like not picking up after yourself, or drawing on the wall, or simple things like that, or doing the goo when things don't go your way. For me, it's like, well, hey, that's not the correct behaviour. Where Katie's a little bit more like. She's young, let her go. Um, and early days, we weren't on the same page for that. Like, yeah. And what tended to happen was we, we got a dog and I was coming home and I was the bad cop for the dog. So I know this is really, really off topic, but our dog is a golden retriever. And when I'm home, it is a completely different animal to when I'm not home. And we had a different dog a few years ago. I, I had small dogs when I was little and I didn't want a small dog anymore. So I said to Katie, I'd really like to buy a gun dog. So we got a Hungarian Vizsla, mad as a hat at this thing. And I and you know, there's lots of things. And I had a lot of conversations like this with Elkie when I was uh, inebriated. <laughs> but, what? You? Yeah, exactly. There's uh, <laughs> So with life, there's things that are uh, ground in. And that's with dogs, they're pack animals. So the dog is trying to sort out straight away where it fits. And if there's four of you, the dog's trying to find out who's the more dominant person and where do I fit into that. And I told Katie that when we first got this gun dog. So the, in the dog's mind, I was the leader and Katie was second. And so the bit that used to stick in my mind is when we got home and we'd been out with the dog, I'd open the door, the dog would wait, I'd go in the door, and then Katie would go to go and the dog would boot past trying yeah, to think because yeah. he's second in line. Same with the thing. So I was getting home. I was disciplining the dog. I was disciplining Pippa. And I said, hey, I'm sick of being the bad cop. I don't, this is not what I want to be about. I don't want to be the person that's coming over the top all the time or coming to the rescue sort of thing. So yeah, we, we should have got on the, on the same page early days, but you know, we've, we've since had those good conversations and now we do, and we don't parent over the top of each other. Yeah. Um, so that was my, I mean, I know Mitch is, only, his uh, little girl is only 15 months old, but my biggest advice is get on the same page as, as far as that goes. You know, don't, don't you don't have to be both be the bad person, but don't make it out to be one person, um, you know, disciplining all the time or find out whether that's the way you want to go about it or not. I think, I think importantly, there's been some studies that have been um, done where the most successful um, households for children is um, one that has discipline and love. There's, there's households that just have love and care and there's households that just have discipline and both are not as successful as the ones that have love and discipline. And I think you're right. I think that one person can't always be the love and one person should not always be the discipline because then you're the bad guy and, and you know, mum's the, the caring one. 
But I think if you find that balance in different circumstances that sometimes it's a yin and yang theory, right? So I know it, it, it probably feels bad to you sometimes, but for the kids, the best thing is that there is a little bit of love and there is a little bit of discipline because it can't always go too too much yeah. on one side. I, I totally agree. And I think as with Elkie's question earlier days, like for me, I got the bad cop for my old man and if I wanted some love, I'd go to mum. So yeah, I don't, exactly. I don't you know, and I want my two girls to be able to go, you know what, um, I can still go to, still go to dad. Um, and now that I've got two girls, you know, Pippa, Pippa really loves her mum and Winnie loves her dad. So if I can keep it that way, I'll be wrapped. <laughs> <laughs> but I do wonder, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting topic around discipline, which we'll explore now, because as you said, my upbringing was dad was always the, you know, wait till your father gets home type kind of threat that yep. you got from your mum. And you, you, if your mum tried anything on you, just laugh and walk away. Mm. Um, I'm not sure has that really changed that much now because the reality is it's just that kind of natural tendency. Like as a mum, I can relate to what you're saying with Katie, you know, being that sort of we'll let them go soft thing. I mean, I had exactly the same discussions with my ex-husband possibly because of this very topic, who knows. But um, the, uh, you know, it was very hard as a mum to be that kind of stern kind of piece in, in the in the in a daily routine. Aside from the fact because you're half the time you're so tired, you just can't even be bothered, right? You're just, okay, whatever, just do whatever you need to do because I cannot even function um so that support and that kind of structure comes from from the dad so I wonder now in this modern world Mitch um you know is that you know what's your advice in terms of I suppose starting to balance out you know that 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 kind of discipline in terms of both mum and dad playing that you know structure and discipline and love role yeah so um it, you know traditionally we were just speaking about that 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 men used to go to work every single day and they would um, come home and and kind of get the kids thrown at them or, or as you were saying, um, you know, have to be the stern one and say, you know, that's not on, that's not right. Um, I think in, today, in today's world there's there's a little bit more equality that's that's coming into into play and I think there are still a lot of workplaces out there that, that don't offer the same amount of um, leave, for example, as women do. I know that the Australian government only offers two weeks for men and and the 16 weeks for women. Um, but I think if, if I just wind it back to, to kind of preconception, and I think that the most important thing is that um, we, men kind of change the way that we think. And just because the woman is the one that's getting physically pregnant and carrying a baby physically, that doesn't mean that it goes along the path of, oh, it's women's health, so us men don't need to worry about it. And the woman needs to know about all of the appointments and all of the things that are happening to her body and all these kind of taboo subjects that us men traditionally will not get involved with. I know that physically we can't get involved, but why do they have to carry the burden of knowing everything about pregnancy and conception? Um, I don't think that it's fair on the women and I don't think that it bodes well for the pregnancy. And then for your fatherhood, if you're entering and you're just thinking, oh, the baby's come out of mum. And so she's the number one parent and she has to take all of the responsibility and she's the one that's going to be the loving one and I have to go to work. This whole, um, you know, idea of the traditional, I, I just, that's part of um, the reason that Elkie and I clicked so much when we met a couple of mm, weeks ago um, at the expo and we kind of went through all of these topics. But, um, you know, I'm lucky enough to be able to, I, I actually got um, four months paid leave from my work. So... In those early formative stages of Edie growing up, um, I was there equally as much as um, Georgia was. So we now have this really nice balance between us where it's actually not 
um, mum or dad or one doing more than the other. It's actually completely equal and we're both parents. So mm. I know exactly everything about feeding and sleeping and, you know, uh, clothes and sizes of clothes and all these things that traditionally men would have absolutely no idea about. But I've taken it upon myself to just learn as much as I can, starting from preconception about you know, her cycle of her period and when is her ovulation day and when we got pregnant, what appointments we needed to go to and the conversations that you need to have with health professionals about, um, you know, all these different type of things that men traditionally um, don't really understand. Um, I actually, I have a really funny story just quickly. So when um, George's waters broke, we um, we went into, you know, mad rush into hospital and uh, we're in the one in in one of the emergency rooms, and there was a trainee um, nurse doctor that was um, doing his placement, and he was a young 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 kid, you know, probably eighteen, fresh out of um, high school, and uh, they took um, George's bloods, and the the head nurse there said, okay, um, you know, why do you think we're taking her bloods today? And uh, I knew the answer because <laughs> of course I had listened to you know. <laughs> I, five hours of podcasts every day for the last 12 months um and he he was getting quite red and he didn't really know what to say and I thought oh I've really got to help this guy out here because I don't know what he's going to come up with mind you I'll just set the scene George is covered her she's wearing gray trackies and they're Uh just completely filled with her waters have just broken there's water all over the floor and she's got the big you know pregnancy belly and he says to test if she's pregnant or not. I leant over and I said, it's to test her blood type because she's a negative blood type. So, yeah. Um, Antibodies, I suppose. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> it's exactly so right. There's, yeah. heaps, there's heaps that you've said there. So to me, that's really interesting. So you, you, I would say of that, I knew 50%. I'd like to say that I was, I was pretty heavily involved in the whole thing. My, my ideas around... Once the baby was born, I felt like a bit more of a bystander. Um, and I've said on a few, few occasions, once the formula feed started, that's when I really started to feel connection with with my kids. On that, I'm really interested with you, Joel. Like, you know, I, I, I was working flat out um, and I went to a few things that I could. I, I know you've got a little bit more time on your hands. Mm. Um, but how much were you involved, man? How, you know, what how much of that process that Mitch was involved in? Because, you know, Mitch has really set an example for other fathers there and I think it's very commendable on what he did know. Yeah. Um, as I say, I knew a little bit of that. I didn't know as much of that. Um, I didn't listen to that many podcasts, but I certainly read, a, you know, a parenting book and a father book and <laughs> yeah. wanted to know what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm interested, man, in, in, in your experience in that process. Yeah. Uh, well, look, we were pregnant during COVID last year, so – I wasn't allowed to go into any of the appointments. However, I was still able to drive Elisa somewhere or at least listen to what she had to say. And I sat in on the appointments when it was Zoom. So I was able to listen and, and partake in that. But in regards to um, like during the pregnancy and then after Esme was born, there's not much I could physically do. But for what I couldn't do, I made up in just engaging and knowing how I could support Elisa or how I could support Esme as she grows, as she gets older. So and, and being six months now, uh, there's a few more things I can do to help Elisa and Esme, um, but then also just being prepared for when she gets to one, two, and three, to be able to facilitate like the, the development or the care or the support or just have people just comfortable with you now, like being that for Esme as she gets older. Yep. 
Yeah, it's um, it's a. There it was a question I was going to bring up um earlier around. They they say that six month mark is kind of when dads start to really play a role. But you know, to your point, that's kind of nearly the old traditional way of thinking about it. Because what you've said is that there's actually right along that entire journey, you can be part of it. It's really up to you in terms of how much mm. you want to be involved. But um, what what Mitch said. Uh, sorry, I'll keep the cut you off. Right. But what Mitch said at the start, I think the the actual process of what happens with the government as far as leave and all that, that actually pushes the yep. male out of it. Like, Definitely. Yeah. yeah. The structures, know, the structures yeah. decades yeah. behind. Hearing, yeah. hearing Mitch speak about that, the, exactly the structure almost at the very start of this whole process, you know, once you find out you're pregnant, it pushes the male that way and it pushes the female's heads into that way. Mm. And, a, and a little bit with, you know, I don't need to know the details of everything. I'm happy to go and do something in my life and I don't need them to know the nth degree where Katie needs to know the nth degree. And it sounds like that, you know, for, for me, I probably should have learned that because that was more supporting of Katie through that process. I thought being present and, you know, helping out and the 683,000 hours of foot rubs that I did was, <laughs> you know, was no, awesome. No, not enough. But it sounds not like, enough. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like, um, you know, you took a great approach to it and, and hopefully – if other fathers are listening to this and they get something out of it, hopefully that's what they get out of it to be involved in to, to that part of it. Yeah, I yeah. think I think um, so. There's two parts of it. There's there's fathers want to be involved as much as what I've just spoken about, but can't be because of the guidelines that they can't. They actually have to go to work. You know, like you actually have to go out to work. You don't have that leave available to you. Um, and the the flip side of that is um, there's also the notion that all you need to do as a father is be present. And I think that that is another really important part that, again, I'll, I'll refer back to a, a study in America that, you know, over 80% of homeless people had their fathers move out from their home or they don't have father figures in their life. And I think it's really important, um, you know, in those formative years to just be there. And I know what you were saying about breastfeeding, for example. Again, I will refer back to just saying whilst that is something physical that we can't get involved with, sitting next to mum or having that bottle of water next to her with a straw in it that she can sip out of, um, cleaning all the, you know, all the stuff that she uses and bringing her a little towel and burping the baby after. There's so many other things that we can get involved with that's not specifically the breastfeed, the physical breastfeeding part of it, um, I think is really important. Um can we clone you? Do you think? <laughs> yeah. I, I was. I was just going to say. I, I actually feel um, pretty honoured to be sitting here with you guys. I mean, the st stories that you guys have shared so far, and you know, you've got your beautiful girls here with you. It's an honour to be here today with you guys. So appreciate it, man. Yeah, Thanks, it's Mitch. great. It's great yeah. to have the boys around the table. I'm interested. You you mentioned there about the um, eighty percent of homeless people didn't have a father figure. Now I also know that your story is such that you were brought up by um, by a single mum by your mum who I've met. Yep. And as I said before, if she's willing to adopt me, I am all in. She's wonderful. Um, so what advice do you have? I mean, coming from that background now for you know single mums and single dads about you know making sure that there is that strong attachment and bond with their child, you know, to, you know, set them up for, uh, for their life. So I will just correct you. That was George's mum that you met at, um, Oh, she's great as well. Then. <laughs> Can she, I have her? She's, she's, well? she's, she's been shopping yourself around for a new mum. Oh, that's um, a long story, lovey. We did a whole that, other podcast. The, the, uh, <laughs> the meeting at the expo was actually pretty funny because um, I will just quickly touch on it. I, uh, I, you know, I saw the Little Oak Expo and and I was there with my wife Georgia and her sister and husband who are pregnant and her brother and wife who are also pregnant and uh, Georgia's parents. So they had the credit card for the day and they were a bit worried about where we were wandering <laughs> off to all the stalls and dropping all this money on prams and stuff. But um, 
So we wandered over and um, the lovely Chris was there kind of talking to Georgia and um, her sister Isabel and kind of giving some information about the product and about um, formula. And I was finishing his sentences Yes. And I was answering his qu- his quiz questions that he was a- um, asking the girls. And he said, hey, what, what's going on? He called over Alki and he said, you got to get over here and meet this guy because <laughs> he knows, he knows more, more about, about the like, than you do. He knows more about the company than, than <laughs> I do. Um, and then Alki and I kicked off and then, um, yeah. The, um, the rest is history. The rest is history. Mm-hmm. But um, just to, to wind back. So, yeah, I was um, – my parents divorced um, when I was three years old. Okay. Um, and obviously at the time I'm too young to, to understand um, what's going on. And then – as I grew up, my mum worked full time with two boys. Um, I, at the time, obviously, you're growing up as a teenage boy, as you were saying before, and you know you have absolutely no idea, and you you don't know any different. Um, and even into my early twenties, I really did not comprehend parenting in general, but single parents and what they have to go through. And when um, I started doing all this research into kind of conception and pregnancy and birth and and then obviously when once Edie came along, it just completely changes your whole um, aspect on life but how y- your parents raised you and you just – you have that appreciation like you never have for anything else. And, and the fact that she was a single parent and went through all of the stuff that Georgia and I are going through now, which is the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life and we have that mutual support and she didn't have that. So – um, I think now looking back, it's really impacted me to the way that I parent. And um, I know that when you do become a parent, you always think of little things that you would do differently to how you were parented. And the one thing that I always have in the back of my mind is, one, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm obviously never going to leave. But two, I want to be there as much as a mother would be there for as my mum was for us. So, So that's kind of my inspiration and guiding me through kind of parenthood. I don't, I don't mean to hijack the podcast, but oh, two, please. there's three parts to that. Yeah. <laughs> First part, I've got a story, quick story for you about Katie's brother. Um, we were in America and we're over there for Christmas time, which we all know it snows, and Katie lives just north of Chicago. So it snows. And the, Katie's biological mother's driveway was plastered in snow. Katie's brother's inside playing computer games. Oh, and I like Keegan. He's a ripper fella. I, I get along with him really well. So – I, just off my own bat, I thought, you know what, it's a bit of a cool experience. I've never really had to do this, but it helps out. I'm going to go out and shovel the driveway. So I went out. I was having a blast out there shoveling snow. Imagine you can that just I, imagine it, can't you? Imagine I was a high school kid, you know, <laughs> in college. And, yeah, Mr. <laughs> Player out there. So I shoveled the whole driveway. And then Katie's mum was was ecstatic. She, you know, she was wrapped that this was happening and that I'd done that for her. And it really wasn't that big a deal for me. It was more, I was happy to do it. The next day, overnight, it snows. And the next day, Keegan wakes up in the morning and he gets out and shovels the driveway. And Katie's mum is absolutely flabbergasted that he's done this. And I didn't think much of it. I thought, oh, you know, he's, he's done it. No worries. Good on you, man. Um, so two days later, we're in the car and they start talking about it. They start, they bring it up and Katie and, and uh, Teresa start bringing it up and they're chatting away about it. And um, I said, oh, I, you know, they they were basically mentioning that Keegan hadn't done that before, and it was really strange that he'd done it. And I, and oh, I sort Keegan? of Keegan's only a couple of years younger, so Keegan's about twenty six, twenty seven, probably about twenty four at the time. And so he's grown up with two mums. Is the reason I'm obviously telling this story. But he, the only, and I said to both of them, I said the only reason that Keegan got up the next morning and did it is because I embarrassed him. And he's gone out and done it. And that's exactly <laughs> like my my father wouldn't have embarrassed me, but dad would have gone, ah, oh, well, I'll go out and do it then, mate, shall I? I'll go out and yeah. shovel it. Why? Yeah. 
Don't worry like about me. Yeah, don't worry about me, mate. I've you know, <laughs> just worked all day. I suppose I'll go out and shovel it, shall I? So I, I've I've done that to Keegan without saying a word to him. Um, you know, and Teresa's mum, so Teresa's going, oh, I just, I just couldn't get him to do it. There's just no way in the world that I would have been able to get him to do that. And I said, look, and it just reflects a little bit about, you know, the whole father and son relationship that we have been chatting about. It was, it's got nothing to do with, you know, and, and I'm not trying to, I'm not saying my father's a bad father at all. My father's an exceptional father, but in that instance there, it was more about, well, I didn't want to, you know, I was like, oh, well, I suppose I better jump out there and do it before you do it, boy. (laughs) Um, and that's exactly what happened to Keegan. So it was really interesting and, and crazy to hear about, you know, what your your thought process is now for being present. Um, the second part of that, which I've completely forgot while I was talking, but <laughs> interested to know, Joel, about your your childhood. Obviously, you know, you've spent time in the military and all that sort of stuff. But before before all of that, you know, you, did you have mum and dad and they yeah. were present? And- yeah, so I had mum and dad still together now, still healthy. Uh, they They set the example of what I want to be as a dad and a mum and Alicia and I often discussed this before Esme was born was like how do we want to be viewed as parents because uh, my dad started working as a concreter as he when he was 16 he's Italian so he doesn't fit the stereotype as a concrete no he does yeah <laughs> he does yeah. he's right <laughs> yeah. Yeah. sorry oh uh, yeah 16 he started being he started concreting and, and he, he's still doing it now he's 58 um, and he has sacrificed everything so that we could get a good education, my brother and I. We could live in a nice house. We could play whatever sport we wanted. There was no opportunity that we missed. And he was he's never been one to lose his temper at mum, at least not in front of us. He's always understanding and patient and so loving. And even when I've done the, the worst thing as a kid or even as a young man, it's not disciplinarian. It's uh, how do we change this? How do we shape and support the behaviour? And how does he maintain the relationship with me so that, there's no lack of respect between us and that's exactly how I want to be with with Esme. Um, now, as a mum, I'm not going to speak on how I want to be as a mum obviously, but as a parent figure, like mum and dad were so supportive of each other and they still are now and I see what that's introduced into me, my values, and that's exactly, as I said, how I want to be with, with Esme and, yeah. and Elisa, yeah. It's yeah. amazing. And it, it's a question I have for you then, Mitch, just to circling back onto the discussion we are having before, it, building on that, you know, what is that, you know, what is the advice that you would give to new dads or, you know, prospective dads um, around building that that bond and that kind of, you know, that image of the par- of the parent that you want to be? What's what's your advice to them? Um God, there's a, there's a lot to there's a lot to say. Um, so, I think that as I said earlier, the most important thing is to to kind of be aware and and be present with everything that happens, and and that's not just you know from six months onwards when you're you're able to to put a bottle in the baby. As I said, it's from the very beginning. Um, a couple of things I will touch on about that kind of upbringing for me is. You know, we all come from different backgrounds, and and it and it can influence you negatively or positively. And personally, for me, um, I could have let the fact that I didn't have a father figure and didn't understand the importance of having a father figure negatively impact me. So it could have gone the opposite way, and it could have it could have gone down, you know, the path of as I said before with the with the stats of um, homeless people. Um, but it's kind of just flipping that script and just thinking, okay, what's the best outcome here for the kids? Um, and, and for our little girl. And for me, that is 
being absolutely present in every single situation that I can possibly be. And I'm very lucky, as I said before, that I've had the the possibility of, of being there and I, do, and I don't have to physically go to work every day. So I work for a, for a corporate company and I can work from home every day. Um, I was also given four months leave, which I was able to take flexibly. So um, I took a month off at the start um, for that bo- real, real bonding time. Um, I did, then went back to work, working from home, as I said. Um, and then Georgia actually wanted to go back to work part-time, which which was fantastic. We kind of had that conversation and I empowered her and I said, look, you know, you don't have to go back to work if you don't want, but if that's something you want to do, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to support. So I was then a stay-at-home dad for a month while she kind of transitioned back into that role at work. Um, and I, I, I just really cherish those really early moments. And I hear so often that men really find it hard to connect in that first six months. But for me, looking back on it, I just have such amazing memories that that was actually such a special time for me because I had that opportunity that I could spend so much time at home with her and have time off work. Um, And now, you know, Georgia always says she kind of cracks the shits because Edie and I have got this really, really close bond with each other. Um, And she always says, God, Edie's, you know, Edie's your favorite. She loves you so much. Um, And we're actually pregnant now and we're having a boy and, and Georgia says to me, Oh, I can't wait for this boy to come along so he can be a little uh, mama's boy. <laughs> and I can get, you know, I can get a favourite. <laughs> no, well, congratulations, congrats, mate. Yeah, Thank congrats, you. Very yeah, exciting. Yeah, Thank Fun, you. Funny you mentioned that as well, Mitch, because it's only until about four weeks ago did I really start enjoying being a dad because we were out at dinner on Wednesday night with some of Damo's mates and they've got a, uh, a three-month-old baby and they were holding this baby in front of me and I looked at, at the, the, the baby and I thought, as beautiful as that is, I don't want that nor do I miss that because for the first five months of Esme's life I was because my injury I can't feed her that well I can't change her I can't dress her I wash change nappies anything like that even if she's in my lap and she moves someone has to come and pick her up and take her so I can't really spend a lot of time with her on my own I've not yet spent any time with her on my own so it's only the last four weeks where I've started to enjoy properly Esme Uh, the first five months I'd I didn't enjoy it because there was other people that were being more of a, a supporting figure in her life than I was, and that really ate me up. Could imagine, yeah. It, it really hurt me the fact that she was closer to, let's just say, Elise's mum or my mum or Elise's dad because they were able to change her, yeah. like I just said, all those things. You're not missing out anything on that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was around for every single day because I've stopped working and I'm at uni now, so I was home every single day. I didn't miss a single day. I still haven't. So, that, you know, to me, I don't know about everyone else in the room, but that's actually really inspiring. And if fathers are out there listening, there is no excuse, really. No, I there mean, isn't, man. That, so, Exactly what you say. Like, I, <clears throat> as I said before, I spent a little bit of time in a wheelchair. And for me, uh, being a pro athlete and doing everything myself and living by myself, so I lived by myself from, you know, 18 years old and I did everything. And I remember coming home for holidays and stuff and – I'd go to go out and mum and daddy go, where are you going? So I'm going out and I'll be back when I'm back. What do you mean? Why, why are you asking me this? So, I, you know, I was independent from day dot. I have the accident and I go home back to mum and dad's house in a wheelchair and I had to have them do most things for me. Right? They were doing, my, you know, that I had to go to the bathroom. So I had poles sticking out of my leg and I couldn't walk around. Obviously, I was a lot more able-bodied than yourself, but I still had to rely on them to do things for me. Yeah. And one thing that really sticks in my mind from that is I'm sitting in the shower, the shower doors open, I'm in the, you know, I'm in the, I'm stuck as, and my legs sticking out, poles hanging out. 
and I'm washing myself, and my old man rolls in, gets the shampoo, puts all the shampoo on his hands, rubs it together, and starts washing my hair. And I said, what are you doing? <laughs> he goes, I'm washing your hair. I said, Dad, my legs cook, not my arms. Yeah. <laughs> Piss off out of here while I'm having a shower, man. But I think – and that's that's one reason why when, you know, Katie mentioned that we were doing this podcast, so I really wanted you to come on because right. it's great to hear Mitch's, Mitch's side of it. And I think if we got really down to the depth of it, you know – you were brought up by your mum and that's probably why you, and this is, it's not a bad thing, but it's probably why you're more in touch with that. Where me, you know, I've, I've come from the whole thing where, um, you know, dad's going to play golf. So let's go play golf. Mum's doing what she's doing. That's fine. And, you know, as I got a bit older, dad was definitely in the same way as your parents, you know, it was about, well, you've stuffed up here, but how are we going to fix it? Or can I help you? My, you know, my man's there, old man's there for me in every aspect, every time. First person I ring when something's gone bad is, is my old man. But, you know, for you, man, like as I say, with me, it was it was like, what's what's happening to me here? I have to rely on people to get me food, to help me to go to the bathroom, to have a shower. You know, that's become your life. And then yeah. to sit back and you know, like to hear what you're saying about other, the connection of other people, that's how I felt in the first six months of, of Pippa, certainly. Yeah, really? It's been, it been different for, for Winnie, but I wasn't as informed as Mitch and I probably didn't I probably didn't throw myself into it as much as I should have. But I, uh, when bottle feeds came around, I'm like, yes, I'm off the bench. I'm in the game here. This is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on. I'm, I'm on. on. Yeah, it's yeah, on. Yeah. So, and and before that, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't at the level that you were at. But early days, I'd get up. So, Caddy'd feed during the night. I'd get up and I'd be there. And then I thought to myself, you know what? What the hell am I doing up here? I'm going to work in the morning. You know, I said to Caddy, maybe I should stay in bed and you know go to work, which is probably not the. Back in hindsight now, it's probably not the best way to go about it, but at the time, that's what I thought was best. It's practical. Yeah, it's, it's, it is, it, it probably is, and that's probably the way I thought about it. But, you know, like um, when I when I got involved, I was like, this is awesome, this is great. But I still washed bottles, you know, still supported Katie. I believed I was supporting her. She's probably got a different point of view about <laughs> it. But I certainly felt like, and I, and I was probably more to where the old school type of things, you know, and I waited where now, you know, we're certainly talking about modern dads. And if there's dads out there, you'd want to take Mitch's, Mitch's, uh, <laughs> Mitch's, Mitch's pattern on it because he's very informed and fantastic at hey, the way he goes. I, I will just circle back. We did kind of get off topic there, but my advice to dads was the original question. Um, my, my advice and, I, and, you know, I've got two brothers-in-law that are pregnant at the moment um, and I say to them, Life will change dramatically. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what's really hard for us men is to really adjust and accept the change in the, in the first instance. I know that, you know, you're very selfish before you have children and very self-centered. You know, you wake up at whatever time you want to wake up and you go to the toilet and you have your shower and you go off to the gym and you do all, whatever you want to do when you want to do it. That's right. And when you have a child, it is just completely different. Time is no longer yours. And I think the faster you accept that, the easier it will be, not only for you to be a parent, but on the relationship with your partner and your spouse to, to kind of just accept. Agreed. And it's all in the all in that same time where you're just starting to adjust to having no sleep or existing with no sleep, exactly. which is one of the things. Yeah. Yeah. But that actually does then bring me beautifully onto this next topic that I wanted to cover, which is, you know, really about, you know, okay, so you're a new dad, you know, what's 
what's going to change, you know, that sort of practical reality of what happens when this small child sort of enters the world. Um, obviously, there's lots of sacrifices, there's lots of sleepless nights, there's all this sort of, you know, working out where you sit in the world, where your relationships sit, all those, you know, all those things that are new to you. So I suppose I'm interested to, to speak with you around this one, Joel, around what, I mean, obviously, you've had a lot in your life that has changed anyway. But when Esme came along, what, you know, what was the, what were the big things you really noticed that that changed in your life? Uh, the things that changed in our life after Esme was born, something as simple as planning a trip, planning <laughs> a trip out, you know, yeah. even if it's just to <laughs> mums. It doesn't matter whether you're oh. in a wheelchair or not. That's still a massive <laughs> yeah. undertaking. Yeah, yeah. Like everything was always deliberate with me anyway. Like if I leave the house, I need to make sure I got, let's say, catheters and hand wipes and all this stuff to help me go to the bathroom or whatever. So it's never just, right, throw the shorts on and go out, let's go outside. Now it's all right, what is it, pram, nappies, milk, formula, um, all this other stuff that we have to bring out. So everything was a lot more deliberate. Um, but I guess the sacrifice as well that, well, I, I can't really be, like you just said, get up and go to the gym. Because I used to, I, my care would come at 6, I'd be out by 7.30, gym till 8.30, work at 9. But now that's that's not anymore and, and I've, I've found it's less and less and less of me doing exactly what I want to do. I'm still doing it every now and then but not as much. Uh, and finding that balance now between work, family, gym, uh, that's been a big, a big challenge. But then one thing that we, I'm now making a conscious effort as well because everything revolves around Esme. As soon as we wake up, we're just in awe of her. And the whole day goes by and I, I, I even forget, like I haven't even acknowledged Elise's appearance, like how she looks today or how was your day yesterday? Or we, we haven't any, had any time between us. So I'm making a conceited effort now to actually invest time in purely Elisa. Because a day could go by where we don't really ask ourselves really deep questions or appreciate each other's company. So I guess that's something that I'm really working on. So the relationship between Elisa and I now as well. It's I missed the other part, but it's Katie and I have similar conversations um, around – I saw a – I actually did listen to a podcast, Mitch, so you should be proud of me. But, <laughs> good man, good man. Um, Gordon Ramsay um, with his kids – I'm not sure if everyone around the table knows this, but Gordon Ramsay fly, and his wife fly first class and the kids fly coach. And he was asked about that and he said, well, I don't want my kids to feel privileged. I want them to understand that I worked very hard for this and we can sit at the front of the plane and they can go down to coach until such time as they, you know, they earn it. Interesting. And it is interesting. It's, a, it's, not, it's an interesting theory because – I'm the same. I say to Katie all the time, let's go and do something together. You know, the kids will be fine. Um, let's get out and make sure that we still do stuff together or individually we're doing stuff. You know, like I, as I said before, I'm very active. It was sort of held up now that I'm, you know, dealing with the injury in, in, in parts of my life. But, you know, I like to fish, golf, all that sort of stuff. It feels like that's like way, way down on the depth chart now. Yeah. And yeah. if I don't do a bit of that, I'm not true to myself. Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. It's an interesting thing because there is that, I mean, the, this parent trade-off type thing, you know, the sacrifices that you have to make, whether it's, you know, you don't get to go fishing every week or play golf, you know, twice a week like you used to. I suppose the thing is in terms of um, in terms of that giving up something that you loved or something that really sort of fulfilled you, how do, I mean, what's your advice to, to new dads around how to juggle that, being true to yourself, obviously, and what you need to do, but also then you know, being there and present to the commitments of being a new dad and to your partner. Yeah, I, th I think something really important that Georgia and I have um, kind of 
figured out together is communication is absolutely key. So, um, you know, I've made, I've, I've mentioned how present I am with Edie, um, and, and Georgia is equally as present with her, but every day we get up. So every day I get up before everybody in the house and Georgia always says to me, why don't you just sleep in for once? Um, so I get up at about five o'clock and I go downstairs, I go to the toilet, um, I have a shower, I do a bit of stretching, I take the dog for a walk, I empty the dishwasher. And then you can um, stop now. You're making me. I know. I'm just. I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm sitting here <laughs> no, thinking. No, I, okay, I will, Georgia, move over. I'll, I'll, get, to, I'll get to the punchline. There's going to be. A, there's going to be a knock on the door, and there's going to be a line of women. Line of women. There's a punchline. There's a punchline. So, um, so, so I get all that stuff done. Um, and then Edie will wake up at about six o'clock, and I'll go upstairs and I'll grab her and I'll bring her downstairs. And every morning I'll I'll make her breakfast and put her in a chair, and Georgia will wake up. Around this time, she'll have a shower. She'll have time to herself to have a shower, get ready, go to the toilet, do whatever she needs to. Once Georgia comes downstairs, I know that I've ticked all of my boxes for the morning and everything's done and that she has also ticked all of her boxes and that her morning is done and that we can start the day on a, on a clean slate. And then we have the conversation and say, hey, what do you need to get done today or what do you want to do today? And she might say to me, do you mind if I just go and work out for half an hour? You know, what? Is that okay? And I said, absolutely. What time do you want to do it? I'll, I'll, I'll sit with Edie. And then I say, do you mind if I go and work out this afternoon for an hour? And we kind of have that trade-off where um, we get to do what we need to get done, as you were saying, so you, you don't just feel like you're just parenting all the time and you don't get that kind of time to yourself or time with your partner. Or um, And also during COVID, we, we were, um, as everyone was, you know, locked up and didn't really have as much support as we could have. Um, which was really tough. But luckily um, our parents, we would drop Edie off to our parents every Thursday, um, which was fantastic. It gave George and I kind of a little bit of, you know, free air to just talk to each other and yeah, have yeah. that. Date night. Yeah, you know, yeah. That, that time that you just, it's really lacking once the kids come along. Right, don't know last night how, how, how long you've been with your wife now, but I've known Elisa nearly half of my life. And it's funny, like we, 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 we want to go out on a date night, just her and I, and then we get there and we're like, what are we going to talk about? I, yeah. I know everything about you. Like yeah. I, I see you every hour of every day. Like what are we going to talk about? But I think it's just having that time. By yourself. Yeah, just on our own. That's yeah. it. Not I fell asleep at daylight like last night. Oh, yeah. nice. We were supposed You're to put a movie winning, on. And winning points all over the place. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> things are really starting to make sense now, Joel. Katie's been baffling on about Mitch for a week. And I'm saying to her, I don't particularly out. give a rats. And now it's all really starting to line up for me. Watch out. Here we go. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting because we put this podcast together for other dads to kind of learn stuff. But I feel like even just around the table here, we've all, well, you certainly have anyway, about yeah. becoming a sensitive new age guy. Is that what we've learned here today? A new age dad? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as, as I say, I think that before, like, uh, I don't, I wouldn't take back any the way that I'm parenting or the way I'm going about being a father but I definitely see that um you know Mitch is probably taking that to the next level and he's really leading the way in in what a, a new age father is so yeah. um you know as I'm sure there are fathers out there like Mitch they'll be listening to podcasts and if they do stumble along you know this podcast don't feel this is not bagging out Mitch by any means but <laughs> don't don't necessarily feel like you have to go all that way or all the other way. There's yeah. a happy medium in between. And and I think a lot of parenting at the moment is, um, and I find this certainly with, with, with Katie and I's parenting, that I'm doing a little bit of 
the opposite of what happened in my childhood and Katie's doing a little bit of the opposite of what happened in her childhood but who's to say that doing that is the right thing mm. no one's to know so right. you know don't you know don't go the discipline discipline your way or do or you know as you said before like it hit home to me before when you said about your mum you know you're going to take the little bits but who's to say that that wasn't the right thing to do at the time and that's sort of you know parenting's just riding a massive wave and just trying to make sure you stay on the board the whole time really and yeah. You know, one day at a time. One day at a time, exactly. But oh. I think, yeah, hopefully hopefully the dads out there take a fair bit out of it. But, yeah, you know, definitely supporting and being there. Um, you know, it might be the drinks of a night when the when your wife is or you might do it the way that I did it or even just being present like Joel was. You know, I think, mate, obviously in your circumstances as well, you know, I don't – I don't. it's definitely hard for you to sit back and see other people maybe make that connection, but don't underestimate just being there, man. Yeah. Like there's yeah. Yeah. just being there every day and being present and being around and, um, yeah, just, just – I'm sure there's lots of fathers out there that weren't and obviously we heard Mitch has left and, you know, it's a massive impact just to be there. I know as much as you want to change a nappy or, or do the feeding stuff and that, but, but just being there, man, is, yeah, is awesome. Present. Hey, I will just touch on one thing. So kind of a – a flip to kind of what I've been speaking about. So I actually did play football for a lot of my um, life. I played um, semi-professionally at VFL, didn't go all the way um, like yourself, but I've been around footy clubs and been around that boys mentality for a lot of my life. Um, and if Edie does decide that she wants to start playing sport of any type or the, the um, boy that's coming along, if he decides, the flip to that is I would also expect Georgia to take as much interest in it as a mother as I am, as I will as a as father. father. So yep. it's not, it shouldn't be up to me to oh, take yeah. our son to football training or to talk to a coach. The flip side to that is why shouldn't a mother also have an invested interest in that type of activity? Oh. So as much as I'm saying, men, you should, you know, get in touch with your sensitive side and, and really learn how to parent both sides. It goes both ways. Oh, so totally. the women need to also... Yeah, so I just wanted to break yeah, yeah, the no, traditional yeah, world yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, don't worry, man. We're pumping you up. That's <laughs> <laughs> we're currently your biggest fans. Trust us. Um, so it's interesting. You've been through two pregnancies, Aaron. Which one's what's harder? You know, going full tilt on the oval or raising two children? Yeah, I knew you were going to ask me this question. Um, ah, oh, raising two children. It's relentless. It's twenty four seven. You get to play footy for two hours a week. I mean, all the running. I was never a great runner, but yeah, I mean, uh, the. Being a father is harder, but there's more love and there's more pride and, and more achievement in that for sure. Um, early days, I was a bit shell-shocked that we were having a kid and you know, I probably wasn't 100% ready for it. I felt like I needed to do a few more things with Katie before we had a kid. Um, but yeah, once once Pippa came along, yeah, it's just it's changed my life in so many different ways, as we mentioned before. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You know, kids look at you, oh, dad's home. It's awesome. You know, and and doesn't matter how many things are going, as I said, you know, you had a bad night or a bad day at work and wake up the next morning and the kids are up at six and ready to go. Yeah. So it's not <laughs> you – know, and, yeah. and I think it really helps you, you know, it makes time fly but it also pushes you through as well. It doesn't let you – previously I could I could internalise a bit too much and um, you know, here we are seven years down the track from my accident and I, and I just can't believe where the time's gone. It's because, you know, these people wouldn't – I've got very, very, very visible scars on, on my leg and she'd have no idea what they were. Mm-hmm. Um, she thinks know, it's normal. Exactly. She yeah. thinks it's normal. So, and I'm sure, you know, when your little one's up and about, she thinks, you know, dad's scooting around in, in a wheelchair is, yeah. is normal. So, yeah, I think um, definitely being a father is a bit more of a challenging, but it's more rewarding. Okay. 
So, gentlemen, then coming as we sort of bring this to a close, um, my, my final question is really around this sort of take it or leave it sort of piece of advice. So, um, Joel, what is your final piece of uh, parenting advice that you would give to a new dad? Uh, to a new dad, when there's, when there's tension at home because of the child, uh, the problem is not between yourself and your partner. The problem is the problem. So working together with your partner, your wife, husband, whatever it is, to fix the problem and not getting frustrated at each other because that's that just exacerbates the situation. And that's hap- that happens a lot in the first few months. Um, so we've often sat back and said, all right, let's have a breather. The problem is she's tired, she's grumpy. We've both had a bad day, but let's sort her Esme out first and then let's get onto our problem. It's a really good piece of advice because I think, I mean, it's the reality. A lot of that time going into, you know, being pregnant and all the different classes that you go to, I don't think I remember doing a class or anything around like your relationship and parenting when, you know, and invariably we're having children when we're, you know, still emotionally somewhat immature and you're still trying to have a new baby and a, you know, a relationship and you forget all of these things that there's another person there and, and trying to deal with, trying to deal with all the emotional ups and downs with that. But I, you know, I really think there's a lot to be said with, you know, really helping young parents and new parents around that, how to work together better. Cause yeah. you know, you yeah. come at two different people, different perspectives with this new child. It's like, my goodness. So it's real cracks can appear if you don't actually know how to have some tools to deal with that, that pressure. Communication, communication. Yeah. Especially after my injury. Um, Obviously, physically, I can't do much, so I had to work on my mouth and my brain and how they connect and how to use them better because in the, the world I was in before my injury, was it was physical, like the army and football. It was very what you could do physically would, would prove your worth and would prove how you could help, whereas now I can't do any of that. So it's, it's, I've had to flip everything to being a better communicator and listener and, and that's so much more important when the baby, the, a baby and they, they can't talk whereas you can talk to your partner and sort out problems. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Your final piece of advice now, Mitch? Uh, I've, I mean, I've spoken about it a lot, but but I think having that equality in in knowing what is going on, I think that the biggest challenge for men is pregnancy and women's health and all these things that you, it's just uncomfortable and, and you automatically just think, oh, that's up to the woman to know. But I'd just challenge every man out there to just be as aware as you can be and whilst pregnancy and birth um, is physically for the woman, but mentally and emotionally, it's for both parties. So I think, um, you know, listen to podcasts, read books, ask questions um, to people, um, do, do as much as you can. The support, I know Georgia, you know, felt more supported than than um, a lot of other mothers out there. And I'm just, I'm proud of the way that she birthed, you know, pr- um, carried Edie and birthed her and is now parenting so yeah, just that's my probably final piece. Aaron, your well, final piece of advice. What make me go last after those two? Well, or you could go straight to a dad joke. You're a pro, you're, you're a yeah, What would you like well, to usually do? On the, <laughs> I usually I go to the funny side of things, but um, yeah, the because I coached um football and was the senior coach, and a few of these guys that um that I did coach are starting to have kids now. I have been asked that question a lot. What's your advice? And I felt like when I asked that. They're like, oh, geez, it's going to be tough. You know, it's, it's been a father's heart and, oh, my God, you got this coming. But really at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's about being being there as we've as we've mentioned a lot in this podcast. It's about being there, whether you're physically being there or you're emotionally being there. I think the main key is is be there as a father. Um, 
but you know, I'll, I'll use mentors in my life, and and even though he probably doesn't know it right now, Sam Mitchell, who I'm coaching with at uh, at Boxer Hawks, is you know I really look up to Sam and listening to what he says. And he spoke the other day that they had a they had a, a motivational speaker come in, and he spoke about type one fun and type two fun. And type one fun is when you're doing something, when you're actually doing something that you love and you're enjoying it and you're having fun. Type two fun is something that you've done. And during that period of time, it might not look, might not be fun, but you look back and you think, geez, that was, that was actually a fun time. I think parenting is type two fun. <laughs> and to this point, you know, there's, there's definitely type one, there's type one fun thrown in there. Like, you know, when you come home through the door and the, and the girls are super excited to see you. And, you know, Winnie's just started walking for us. So she hums down the, down the hallway as fast as she can, yelling out, daddy. Um, that's type one fun, but there's lots of times in your parenting journey where you're both buggered. You're both emotionally wrecked. There's lots of external things going on other than your kids. And now I look back at that and I think, you know what, I was really enjoying myself through that and I, and I got to do it with my partner, which is Katie. So, yeah, as far as as far as far the advice piece out, piece out of that is just be present in whatever way suits you or whatever way suits your dynamic in your relationship, just 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 be present. I love that. That's fantastic. Um, so, gentlemen, your best dad joke. I should really ring up. I should really ring up DC. So my, my name's obviously Aaron Cornelius, and Dad's David Cornelius, and together we make ACDC. Can't play a musical instrument between us. But Dad's, uh, yeah, Dad's a cracker, and as I say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here without him. And he's got some absolute stinking jokes. But one that really irks me that he says all the time, and I still really don't get it. He says, "A bloke went to the bar with one ear," and the barman says, "Do you want a beer, mate?" And he says, "No, I've got one ear." Exactly. Right, I need, to, I need to have a chat with him. <laughs> terrible joke, but right. Who's up next, Mitch? Mitch has googled a couple. Mitch so has googled a couple. <laughs> actually, <laughs> I, I actually don't really have any that, off the that, top of my head. That, that, they actually they come to you. They you know, come to you. Day, Dad jokes just come so to you. Lame and exactly. You just feel so proud when yeah, you reel exactly. them off, and everyone just you know face palms yeah. when they hear it. But I googled one maybe just to kind of fill some air. But um, I only know twenty five letters of the alphabet. I don't know why. Uh, good. Boom, but I think I think dad I think dad joke the <laughs> essence of dad terrible. jokes if you say something and your old man says something back to you and you're like oh my god did you just say that you like Pippa says to me now and I uh, it's exactly what my old man said Pippa goes oh I'm hungry and I said oh hey hungry I'm Czechoslovakia <laughs> that, that sort of stuff nice. they're the dad jokes that really stick in my mind I'll tell you the one that always sticks in my mind from my dad was always about women was always like you're only as old as the woman you feel yeah. and the way he regularly updates the younger models sorry dad but anyway <laughs> so that's what I always remember Joel anyone from you no pressure uh, can you I, can pass or phone a friend can I plead the fifth you can plead the fifth yeah. of course all right. <laughs> I can't do it to myself. I just <laughs> Very good. Well, gentlemen, I think um, as expected, this has been one of probably the best podcasts I've done. And um, I think we're, we could keep talking all day. Um, but I really think that, you know, we've learned a lot today. I hope um, everyone listening has learned something as well. And in some small way, I hope that we've been able to illuminate uh, the incredibly important role of a father. Um, obviously, it's impact in shaping the lives of children, um, giving that, them that encouragement and love and above all else you know being able to give them that strength to take on all of life's challenges so Aaron Mitch Joel thank you so much for coming in today it's just been wonderful and to all those new dads out there we hope you've enjoyed today's discussion remember you can download this podcast from the Little Oak website www.thelittleoakcompany.com or listen on your favorite podcast platform gentlemen thanks again thank, thank you so much. thanks guys thank you